What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Miller. So tomorrow is the NFL trade deadline. Tomorrow at 4 p.m. is the deadline for teams to make trades in the NFL. So I'm going to preview the trade deadline for tomorrow. But before doing that, I'm going to start off with a trade that just happened a few hours ago, and that was Leonard Williams, a defensive lineman for the New York Giants, being traded to the Seattle Seahawks for a 2024 second-round pick and a 2025 fifth-round pick. Very good return for the Giants here on an expiring contract, a guy that they weren't going to re-sign after the season was over. They get a second and a fifth-round pick in return. The Giants will chew most of the remaining money, though, that is due to Leonard Williams, around $10 million. But they're doing that just to be able to get a better return in draft capital, and that's fine with me at the end of the day. I think that's actually the better decision for the Giants in their future. And if you look at this Giants season, it's a season plagued by injuries, a tough schedule, and just starting off slow. And the offensive line obviously being as poor as they've been, especially earlier on in the season with Daniel Jones out there. I mean, this season was completely derailed by injuries in the poor offensive line. And this is honestly a place I didn't see the Giants being at at this point in the season. Before the season began, I thought the Giants would be right back to where they were last year. I saw them being 10-7 and and fighting once again in the playoffs and even winning a playoff game again. I thought they could go to the NFC Championship this year, and I was off. I was wrong. I mean, and at the end of the day, I still love this Giants team. I'm going to watch every single game. But now when you watch this Giants team play every Sunday, you know they're not as close as most people thought they were heading from last season into this season. But the Giants still have pieces to build around. With that being said, though, Leonard Williams wasn't going to be a piece that they were going to re-sign after the season was over. So it makes sense to trade him, and getting a second-round pick in return is brilliant by Joe Shane. Brilliant move there. Now this probably means rookie defensive lineman Jordan Riley will get more snaps in the D-line, and the same goes to DJ Davidson, a guy who looked pretty good in limited snaps on the season, and that also means probably Ashawn Robinson will get more snaps as well, a guy that the Giants signed last year in the offseason thinking he could be the potential guy to replace Leonard Williams if the Giants were to move on from him. Williams on the year had one and a half sacks and 13 tackles for the Giants. Heading into week eight, he was the fourth best among defensive linemen in the NFL in time to pressure at 2.23 seconds. And that's among Dean linemen with 15-plus pressures heading into this week. Seattle now gets help on the defensive line, something that they needed to adjust and try to fix. That's a defensive line that just added Frank Clark as well, who had five sacks last season for Kansas City. And now Leonard Williams will also make an impact right away. A great guy in the locker room as well, wishing him nothing but the best in Seattle and hoping things work out for him there. So now what does this mean for the Giants and where they currently stand? With players like Saquon Barkley, Xavier McKinney, Adoree Jackson, Paris Campbell, what are the Giants going to do? The way I see it, is if those guys aren't part of the Giants' future, they're to be the best move just to move on from them. If it's a short thing, then the Giants will not bring those guys back after the season's over. It would be the best thing to go out and trade them. So that brings into question, what would the returns be for each of these guys? I think Saquon Barkley could get you maybe a second or third round pick in return. It seems like a lot to get a second round pick, but if a team is in competition with another team to try to get them, they both need help at running back, and one team offers a third round pick, and the other team knows, okay, if we offer a second round pick, we'd get them, maybe a team would do that. But he's probably worth around a third-round pick, I would say. I'm leaning a third-round pick in return to Saquon Barkley. But as I said, a team could overspend and send a second-round pick. But it's unlikely that would be the case. Adoree Jackson, I think he's worth a fourth or a fifth-round pick. Xavier McKinney, I think he's worth a third-round pick. The fourth-year safety is a free agent after the year's over. So he's expiring contract. The same goes for Adoree Jackson and Saquon Barkley. I think McKinney would be around a third-round pick. Maybe a fourth at worst. But I think a third-round pick you could get from him. Paris Campbell, I think he's worth maybe a sixth-round pick. You'd probably trade Paris Campbell in a seventh in order to get a sixth-round pick in return. So a late-round pick swap there with Campbell involved in the deal. What would I do if I was Joe Shane? The way I see it is I would trade Dory Jackson and I would trade Paris Campbell. 
I'd hold on to Saquon Barkley and I'd hold on to Xavier McKinney since I believe both of them could be given contracts in the offseason and could be part of the future of the New York Giants. But with that being said, if an offer is sent to the Giants that they can't deny, then I'd move those guys. If it's an undeniable offer and too good to be true, like Saquon Barkley for a second or first round pick or Xavier McKinney for a second round pick, then I would go out and I would trade them. It's very unlikely those guys would get those returns though. So I think at the end of the day, it would be the best decision for the Giants to hold on to those guys if they believe there is a chance that they will be signed in the offseason. If they think there's no chance they're going to bring those guys back, then it would be the best decision to go out and trade them. But I think the way things stand right now, the Giants will bring those guys back. I think McKinney has more of a chance to be traded than Saquon Barkley. I think the Giants would hold on to Saquon Barkley, and it's more likely that they'd hold on to him than hold on to Xavier McKinney. As for Campbell and Adoree Jackson, I think Campbell will be gone. Adoree Jackson... Probably 50-50 right now he's gone, but I'm leaning towards him being traded. So I'd say 51% chance he's traded, 49% chance he's back with the Giants for this upcoming game versus the Raiders on Sunday. So yesterday, there were a handful of injuries in the NFL, and I'd say, honestly, a few of them are going to impact what each team that had those injuries are going to do at the trade deadline. We'll start off with Kirk Cousins. He unfortunately went down with an Achilles injury yesterday. He tore his Achilles, according to reports today, and is confirmed with an MRI. He'll be done for the rest of the season. And it's devastating considering Kirk Cousins is 35 years old. He's a free agent after the season's over, and Minnesota was just turning things around. And Kirk Cousins was balling this year. He was balling out. And he's never missed a game in his NFL career due to injury. So this will be the first time he's missed a game due to injury besides having COVID a couple years ago. And if you look at the Vikings, they were just starting to make a playoff push. They started the season 0-3. Now they're 4-4, winning four of the last five games. And now all the positive momentum that's gone their way is just seemingly disappearing in front of their eyes. And it's sad to see Kirk Cousins is a free agent after the season's over. And this team is just figuring things out and clicking like they were last season. And Kirk Cousins this year has been a top five to seven quarterback in the NFL. 18 touchdowns, five interceptions, and he's averaging 292 passing yards per game, which would be the second best mark of his career. He was looking really good. And we'll see what the Vikings do with the trade deadline. I'll talk about a few of their players in just a few minutes when I get to breaking down where I think each player is going to end up after the trade deadline is over. Next up, we'll look at the Rams and Matt Stafford. Stafford suffered a thumb injury yesterday and is now considered day-to-day, which we'll see how things work out. But if he were to miss time, that could really dampen the Rams' season. Since where they stand right now, they're 3-5. and five. There's really not much room for error where they currently stand. And without Matt Stafford, even though he hasn't been great on the year, eight touchdowns, seven picks, they would be in trouble if they're using a backup quarterback rather than Matt Stafford. They need him healthy. The Steelers also suffered an injury. Kenny Pickett, he went down with a rib injury in yesterday's game. Missed the remainder of the game after exiting in the first quarter. That's obviously tough to see, considering he was just starting to figure things out with George Pickens. He will likely be a game-time decision for Thursday Night Football, but my guess it'll be Mitch Trubisky starting with Kenny Pickett using the week off. And for the Titans, which they're playing the Steelers in this game on Thursday night, it'll likely be Will Levis again, who shined in his debut yesterday. He was great. I'll talk about that probably in my NFL Week 8 recap. It won't be in this episode, but he looks great. And it looks like Ryan Tannehill will probably miss Thursday Night Football. So yet again, another week that he'll be out. With that being said, Tannehill's a guy that I think could potentially be moved at the trade deadline. Next up is Giants quarterback Tyrod Taylor. He went down with a rib injury in yesterday's game, which led to Tommy DeVito's debut for the Giants. But the Giants didn't trust him much. He really didn't do too much passing the ball. The Giants just ran the ball a ton. It was just an old school type of game from the Giants. Play defense and run the ball. And it seems like the Giants should have Daniel Jones back for this Sunday's game against the Raiders which would be great to see considering he's been out. And you know I love Daniel Jones. If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm the biggest Daniel Jones fan in the world. But if he were to be back this week, that's a lot sooner than I expect him to be back considering he had the neck injury. And the Giants' offensive line hasn't been good all season. And Andrew Thomas is still out. Hopefully he's back this week 
if Daniel Jones is ultimately back. And now Darren Waller just went down with a hamstring injury yesterday. So the Giants really haven't had much luck with injuries all season. And with Waller going down with an injury, a hamstring injury that plagued him earlier in the season, he was on the injury report with the hamstring injury, and it's an injury that's plagued him over his career, that's not a good sign for the Giants. And obviously not a good sign for Daniel Jones not having him healthy. In the three starts with Tyrod Taylor, he had a 66% completion percentage, two touchdowns, no picks, and 579 passing yards. In those three games he played in, he only played two and a half games, I'd say, since he went out in the second quarter of yesterday's game. The Giants scored 26 points in the two and a half games with Tyrod Taylor. So 10 quarters, they scored 26 points, meaning they were on average 10 and a half points per game under Tyrod Taylor. And it's not like he blew Daniel Jones out of the water. After his first game, starting against the Buffalo Bills, a lot of people are talking about Tyrod Taylor like he was levels above Daniel Jones. And the way you see it, we scored 10 and a half points per game with Tyrod Taylor at the helm. So it's not like he blew Daniel Jones out of the water. And Daniel Jones should be the starter regardless in my eyes. Regardless, Daniel Jones is the starter for this team. And I'd still continue with Daniel Jones once he is back healthy. Daniel Jones is the guy, and I'd move along with him as the quarterback once he is back fully healthy. And if that's this week against the Raiders, I'd be happy to see it. So now I'm going to talk about potential trade targets on the market, and I'm going to give predictions for potential destinations for each of these players. Some of them I think will be traded, some of them I don't think will be traded, but I'm going to explain my reasoning for each pick. Let's start off with Giants cornerback Adoree Jackson, who I think will be moved to San Francisco for a fifth-round pick. I think there's a couple of destinations that make sense for Adoree Jackson. San Francisco, Buffalo, Atlanta, maybe even Houston, but that's very unlikely. I'd say those three I mentioned first, San Francisco, Buffalo, Atlanta, they make a lot of sense for Dory Jackson. And I think San Francisco makes the most sense. They need to add in their secondary. They've lost three games in a row, and it could be time for them to panic and look for help in their secondary. And Dory Jackson is a veteran cornerback. Even though he's not having a great season this year, he's shown in years past that he can be a reliable number one cornerback. And he wouldn't be even asked to cover the number one receiver on each of those three teams. San Francisco, Buffalo, Atlanta, he's probably going to be the CB2 for those teams. And I think all three of them could use him. The Giants know Adoree Jackson's a free agent after the season's over. And it's unlikely that he's brought back. So it makes sense for the Giants to move on from him. They would probably have to chew remaining money to get a better return, just like they did with Leonard Williams. But it would make sense and it would be better for the Giants' rebuild. Next up is Giants running back Saquon Barkley, who I think will stay with the Giants past the trade deadline. There are some destinations that make sense for him, like Baltimore and Buffalo, but I think it makes sense for the Giants to keep him if they can try to find a way to get him back after the year ends. If they can find a contract that's reasonable with him after the season's over, then it makes sense to keep him. Since he is a great piece, very talented back, and if they can sign him to a two- or three-year deal, you'd rather him on your team than not. With that being said, if the Giants were offered, let's say, a second-round pick in return, I think that's unlikely that they get offered a second-round pick, but if they were to be offered a second-round pick, then I would think Joe Shane would just pot ways with Saquon Barkley and let him go in that case. Since the Giants had some contract issues with Saquon Barkley in the offseason, and obviously the franchise take was a big issue for Saquon Barkley and his agent with the Giants, maybe Saquon Barkley would be frustrated with the Giants and not want to come back anyways. If the Giants feel that would be the case, maybe they would move on from him at the deadline. But Saquon Barkley did say a week ago that he wants to stay with the Giants for the rest of his career, and I think it would make sense for the Giants to give him a two- or three-year deal after the season's over. They don't want to overpay for him, though, and I don't want to either. But if they can find a way to get him a reasonable contract after the season's over, let's say two or three years, and keep him happy, then it would make sense to bring him back. That's why I think the Giants will keep Saquon Barkley, and I think he will stay past the trade deadline. 
As for Paris Campbell, I think he's gone. I think Paris Campbell will be traded. I think a trade with the Atlanta Falcons would make a lot of sense. I think it would help Paris Campbell get some more playing time, which would be good for him considering he really has fallen out of the rotation for the Giants, especially with targets. And I think Atlanta needs more help at wide receiver. They got Drake London. They recently got Van Jefferson, but I think they could use more help at wide receiver. I think Paris Campbell would make a lot of sense for them. Also, the Baltimore Ravens. That could be another potential team that could land Paris Campbell and use him, especially with his speed. He's a very good player, can also kick return. But he's fallen out of the mix of the Giants, especially targets. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to be traded at the deadline. I think maybe Paris Campbell in a seventh-round pick in exchange for a sixth-round pick would get the deal done. Next up is the Giants' safety, Xavier McKinney. I think he ends up staying. He has struggled this season, especially early on. Missing tackles was a big problem for him this year. But he does play hard. He's a leader on the defense and a captain. But he is a free agent after this year is over. So if the Giants don't see him staying after the year ends on a new contract it would make sense for the Giants to move him. I'd say right now it's 50-50 that he's traded. And if he is traded, I think a fourth-round pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers, it would make sense for Xavier McKinney to be traded for that. A fourth-round pick from the Steelers in exchange for Xavier McKinney, I would take that for the Giants. If the Giants see Xavier McKinney being gone after the year ends, taking a fourth-round pick in return from him would be pretty good value. And then if you look at it from the Steelers' end, Mika Fitzpatrick just went down with a hamstring injury yesterday, so they need some help in this secondary if Mika were to miss time, so it makes sense for them to also go out and get Xavier McKinney. Next up, we have the Jets running back, Delvin Cook. Ivan being traded to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for a sixth-round pick. He's fallen out of favor in New York. Brees Hall is their lead guy, which makes a lot of sense. Brees Hall is a very good back. He's looked very good over the last few weeks. Delvin Cook is just 39 carries on the season for around 100 yards, and he has no rushing touchdowns on the season. I think he's a definite guy that's going to be moved to the deadline, whether it be a trade or a cut. I think a cut's unlikely. I think he'll be traded at the deadline by tomorrow at 4 p.m. Though. Next up, we have Jets defensive lineman Kyle Lawson. He's a guy that I definitely think will be moved as well. My guess is to the Lions for sixth-round pick. He had seven sacks and 33 tackles last season for the Jets. This season, he has no sacks, just three tackles, and has only played 21% of snaps. So I think he will be moved for whatever the Jets can get. He has four void years with money spread out, so the Jets will have to chew probably a good amount of that money in order to move him. It's not really too much money in the second, third, and fourth years of those void years, but I believe the first void year does have a decent amount of money, like five or six million. But if the Jets were to chew that, they probably could get back a sixth-round pick in return for him. Next up, we have Eagles running back Rashad Penny. I thought he was going to be the mix in that backfield this year in Philly, but he really fell out of favor early on, never really had a role at all this season. Very likely they move on from him. He's a free agent after the season's over, and I guess he'll be traded to the Buffalo Bills for a seventh-round pick. Following that, we're going to talk about Broncos cornerback Patrick Sertan. I'd imagine he's going to stay in Denver. He's only 23 years old. He's a top defensive back, and I think every team could probably use Patrick Sertan, a young cornerback like him that has high upside. He's only 23 years old, but it would take a lot for Denver in order to move him. He's a franchise piece that you could build around on defense, a very good defensive back. And in a division that has a lot of good quarterbacks that you have to go up against, like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, it makes sense to keep a defensive back like Patrick Sertan there just so we can cover the number one receivers on each of those teams. And if you look at what the Broncos want back in return from, they want a lot. They want more than what the Rams had to give up to Jacksonville for Jalen Ramsey, which that return was two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick sent from the Rams to the Jaguars. Right now... The Broncos want more than that, and I don't see any team really going out there and giving up more than that. Next up, we have Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy. I have him being traded to Baltimore for a fourth-round pick. The Ravens could use help at wide receiver. Jerry Judy could thrive in a new environment. He has one more year left under his current deal at $13 million for next season. We'll see if the Broncos were to have to choose some of that money in order to trade him, but I think it makes sense for them to move on from him. Next up, we have Broncos wide receiver Colton Sutton. 
I have him being traded for a fifth-round pick to the New York Jets. He does have potential opt-out after the season ends, but if he were to not opt-out, he were to stay with his current deal, he'd be making around $12 million the next two seasons. So I'd imagine that he's going to opt-out to try to get a little bit more money, and I think the Broncos are going to trade at least one of those guys between Sutton and Judy. Denver's rebuilding. They had to give up a good amount of draft capital to go out and get Russell Wilson. They're trying to recuperate their draft picks. So trading at least one of Sutton and Judy would be the best move for them. Next up, we have the Commanders defensive end, Montez Sweat. Ivan being traded to the Atlanta Falcons for a third-round pick. The Falcons are looking for help on their defensive line. They're looking into all three of Washington's defensive linemen that are available. The Falcons just had a tough injury yesterday with Grady Jarrett going down with a torn ACL. So now they're looking for help on the defensive line without him. And if you look at Montez Sweat, he has six and a half sacks on the year and a forced fumble. He's been very good on the year. And he's on a defensive line that has a good amount of talent. Chase Young, Jonathan Allen. Two of those guys are probably going to be moved. And Atlanta's going to be interested in one of them. I have Montez Sweat being the guy going to Atlanta for a third-round pick. The Falcons have surprised the people this year. I was very high on them coming into the season. And they could add to their defense. And I think Montez Sweat would be a good move for them. Next up, we have Commanders defensive end Chase Young. It's a popular opinion that the commanders are going to move on for at least one of those three guys between Young, Sweat, and Jonathan Allen. I think two of those guys end up being gone. And it could ultimately come down to what they can get back in return and how much money they'd have to chew on each of those three guys. If you look at Chase Young, he's a free agent after the season ends. He has five sacks in the season and also six tackles for a loss. So this is his best season since his rookie year. And it's coming at the right time for him. It's a contract year for him. He's staying healthy so far this season. And I think he's a guy that could be moved by Washington. I think Young ends up being moved, and my trade destination for him is Jacksonville for a third-round pick. Next up, we have Commander's defense alignment, Jonathan Allen. He has two years left on his deal with a $21 million and a $23 million cap hit on each of those two seasons. I think he's going to be a little bit harder to move than the other two guys that I already mentioned. So I think he stays in Washington on the season. He has three sacks, nine quarterback hits. And if you listen to his interview after last week after they lost to the Giants, he spoke out about being frustrated with losing constantly year in and year out. Unfortunately, for his sake, though, I think he ends up staying with Washington past the trade deadline. Next up, we have Vikings defense alignment, Daniel Hunter, who leads the NFL this season with 10 sacks. He's on expiring contract, so he could be easier to move. He has two void years left on his current deal, so that could be one thing that makes it a little bit harder to move him. But I'd imagine if Minnesota were to trade him, they'd probably eat some of that money and then try to get better draft capital back in return. The Vikings are in an interesting position right now. They're 4-4 and for a record, but now they have no Kirk Cousins for the rest of the season. After winning four of the last five games and things starting to finally turn around for them, they find this season completely disheveled now with Kirk Cousins being out for the year. So if they were to decide, hey, let's cash in on Daniel Hunter, we probably aren't going to re-sign him in the offseason for all the money they don't want. Let's trade him and get something back in return. They could get back a pretty good package. And also keep in mind, Justin Jefferson is still on IR with a hamstring injury. Will he be back? Is he going to take his time returning now that Kirk Cousins is out? Is he going to rush back? Probably not. So does that mean the Minnesota Vikings are going to sell? I think it's a 50-50 shot that Daniel Hunter is traded. And I think if he were to be dealt, I think Miami is a good destination for him for a second and a fourth round pick in exchange for Hunter and a fifth round pick. Next up, we have Bears running back Dante Foreman, who's a free agent after the season's over. All in the year, 245 total yards and three touchdowns. The Bears do have Khalil Herbert coming back at some point in the next couple weeks. So maybe they try to get some value for Foreman, considering he has been good as the backup over the last couple weeks. Maybe they go out, move him, and try to get something back in return and help their rebuild. Dallas is a potential destination for Foreman that I think would make a lot of sense. They're in an interesting position right now where they have Tony Pollard as a lead back, but they don't have that power back that they had in years past when they had Ezekiel Elliott. So I think adding a power back like Foreman could help them in the red zone, especially in the goal line. 
And as for the Bears, I think this would be a good deal for them as well. They're in an active rebuild. They still have no Justin Fields next week, so Tyson Bajant will get another start. And as to where I think Justin Fields should end up, I think they should stay with Justin Fields. I know there's a lot of talk about them potentially moving on from him after the season ends, and they could move on from him and go out and get Caleb Williams or Drake May in the draft. But my position on Justin Fields is that I think he can be a fine quarterback in the NFL. They need to add to that offensive line and maybe add one other receiver, like a wide receiver too. And I think that offense could be ready to go. And obviously add on the defense. I mean, the team isn't really competitive right now, but they do play hard week in, week out. But talent-wise, the team isn't competing with the rest of the top teams in the NFL right now. But if they could go out and get Justin Fields some help, I think he can be a fine quarterback in the NFL. And I know some people had some buzz about them potentially trading him at the deadline a couple weeks ago. But I think Justin Fields will be staying, you know, through the season's end at least. And then maybe in the draft, they go out and get Caleb Williams or Drake May, which I think will end up being the case. And if that were to be what happens... I think Justin Fields being traded to Atlanta in the offseason would be perfect for Fields. I really do. He'd have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, and hopefully they add another offensive lineman and a wide receiver too in the draft. And I think Justin Fields could really thrive there. I think Fields, if he were to be traded, he's probably worth a second and a fourth round pick. And as I've said now for the past couple of episodes, I like Justin Fields a lot, and I think he's been harshly criticized, which has partly been the reason I've started to support him. And then I looked at a lot of his numbers and looked at a lot of his film, there's really not too much around him besides DJ Moore. And at the end of the day, it's really hard to thrive when you don't really have an offensive line. You're a young quarterback, also on a bad team. Some other quarterbacks have thrived as a rookie with not much around them. But with that being said, it doesn't make it any easier on any other quarterback. Just because other guys are doing it doesn't make it easy on you in your situation. The Bears offensive line isn't great at all. They obviously could use some help there in the draft. And I know I went a little bit off the rails here. Dante Foreman, that was a player I was mentioning here when I started talking about Justin Fields. I have him being traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a sixth-round pick. Next up, we have Panthers running back Miles Sanders. That's a guy that I was not very high on heading into the season. I thought he'd regress when I was doing the stud versus dud segment heading into the year. I wasn't high on Miles Sanders. I said he'd be a dud. And my reasoning was this. He wouldn't have the offensive line that the Eagles had. Obviously, Carolina's offensive line is not anywhere close to the Eagles' offensive line. And they're not scoring as many points in Carolina as they were in Philly last season. So Carolina's going to be down in a lot of games. going to have to pass the ball more than run the ball, and it becomes less effective and less valuable. And it seems like Chuba Hubbard is a lead back there. Sanders didn't even register a touch yesterday, so I think Chuba Hubbard is the guy there. And if you look at what Miles Sanders' contract is, he has another year guaranteed with $7 million of cap hit. He can opt out after the 2024 season. And a potential destination for him, if he were to be dealt, Buffalo and Dallas, two destinations that make sense. If he were to be traded, I think Buffalo makes sense for, let's say, a fifth-round pick. But Carolina would probably have to chew some of that $7 million cap hit that he is owed next season. Next up, we've Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro, who I think will end up staying in Vegas, even though I think he wants out. He's fallen out of the mix in Las Vegas over the last year or so after being one of the most reliable receivers at one point a couple years ago. He's fallen out of the mix with the addition of Jacoby Myers this year in free agency and the Devontae Adams in a trade last year. It's really lessened his role. And I'm not sure if he's going to be dealt because he does have one year left on his current deal with $14 million as his cap hit next year. So it's going to be tough to trade him considering he does have a big cap hit for next year. And he does also have an opt-out. But it's unlikely he uses that because he's going to lose a lot of money in that case. He's not going to get as much money in the open market. But if he feels like it's worth just giving up all that money and just opting out and being a free agent to go somewhere that he'd be happier, 
Maybe that ends up being the case, and that's what he does. But I think he might be hoping to get a trade and maybe hoping somebody does take on some of that money. But I think he ends up staying in Las Vegas. Next up, we have Panthers defensive end Brian Burns, who was a potential trade candidate the last couple of years of the deadline, but Carolina decided to keep him. He is a free agent after the season's over and is due for a big deal in free agency. If Carolina doesn't think they can keep him and they don't plan on tagging him, then I would move him, especially since he's going to get a great return at the deadline considering he's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. But otherwise, I think he stays. He's five sacks on the year, a forced fumble, and I think Carolina will end up giving him a big contract once free agency rolls around. The next player we have is Bills cornerback Kyer Elam, who I think will end up being traded. He was a healthy scratch on Thursday Night Football this past week in favor of Josh Norman. Elam was a former first-round pick a couple years ago, but he's fallen out of the mix in Buffalo. He's only a second-year defensive back with two more years left on his rookie deal. So we could see a team go out and take a flyer on him like we saw Atlanta do with Jeff Okuda last year. And I think in that case, Elam being traded to, let's say, Houston for a fifth or a sixth-round pick would make a lot of sense. I would imagine he will be moved at the deadline by tomorrow. Next up, we have Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, who has one year left on his deal, and he could also have his fifth-year option picked up to make it two years left on his deal. I don't think he ends up being traded. I think if you look at what's around Mac Jones in New England, he has a weak offensive line, not much help in that wide receiver group, or even in the running back room. I mean, if you look at Ramondre Stevens, and he's regressed because of that offensive line being as poor as they've been. I don't think Mac Jones has been set up for success in New England, especially this season. The offensive line's been very poor, and the skill group... If you look at receivers, they're all wide receiver twos or threes. I'd say wide receiver twos at best, but most of them are wide receiver threes. So there's really not much around Mac Jones to help him succeed. A potential landing spot for him, though, if he were to be dealt, I think Minnesota and Atlanta could make some sense. Atlanta, Minnesota, they could go out and maybe use him and see what they could get out of him for the rest of the season. I think he'd be worth maybe a fourth-round pick on the open market. As for Atlanta, though, I think they'd be better off waiting and trying to get Justin Fields in the offseason when the Bears eventually would take a quarterback in the draft. Next up, we have Patriots cornerback Jalen Mills, who is a free agent after the season's over. The Patriots aren't in a great position right now. They have the worst record in the AFC at 2-6, and six, and they're likely to be sellers at the deadline. If there's value around any of their players that they don't see as part of their future, I think it would make sense for them to move on from them. And as for Jalen Mills, I think he's moved, and I think he goes to a cornerback needy team like the Los Angeles Chargers for, let's say, a sixth-round pick. Next up, we have Patriots defensive end Josh Uche, who I think the Patriots will hold on to. He's a free agent after the season's over, and I think he's going to get an extension from them when the offseason does roll around. He's worth probably around a fourth-round pick. He had 11.5 sacks last season, only two sacks on the year this year. But an 11.5 sack season last year is definitely enough for him to go out and get a contract extension from the Patriots when the season ends. His numbers from last year were definitely better considering Matthew Judon out there, so the opposing offensive line had to account for Judon, which helped free up some lanes for Uche to get some sacks. But I would keep him around if I were the Patriots. Next up, we have Patriots tight end Hunter Henry, who I have being traded to the Cincinnati Bengals for a sixth-round pick. The Bengals could use a tight end to help them in the red zone. And if you look at Henry, he's a free agent after the season ends. He's probably not going to cost too much. I'd say maybe a fifth-round pick. And I don't think he's part of the Patriots' future. He's turning 29 years old, and this season has gone awry for the Patriots. I see Cincinnati trading him for, let's say, a fifth or a sixth-round pick, more likely a sixth-round pick, to get Hunter Henry on the Cincinnati Bengals. Next up, we have Titans running back Derrick Henry. And over the last couple of days, the Titans have made it clear that they do not plan to trade Derrick Henry. But if there's too good of an offer for them to decline, I think they go and move him. They did have a big win yesterday with Will Levis as a quarterback. But Derrick Henry is a free agent after the year is over. And if he were to be dealt, I know a lot of people are loving Baltimore as a destination for him. And I think if you look at Derrick Henry's career and where it's going, I think he has this year left and maybe one more year as a lead back. 
So he's probably going to go to a team that is running back needy, that knows he probably only has a year or so left in the tank. And I think Baltimore would make sense for him. I'd say for maybe a third-round pick, and I think that's a possible trade, a third-round pick going from Baltimore to Tennessee in exchange with Derrick Henry. As for Ryan Tannehill, I think it makes a lot of sense to see him go to Minnesota, especially after Kirk Cousins' injury and then Will Levis' great debut yesterday. I think it makes sense for him to go to Minnesota. I didn't think there was much of a future for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee after the year was over. Heading into the year, it was never very high on Ryan Tannehill. I thought he'd lose his job at some point midway through the season. I thought it'd be Malik Willis, though. I didn't think it'd be Will Levis. But I thought Tannehill would no longer be the starter midway through the season. And I thought it would be due to performance, but it was more because of his injury that he just suffered. But I think it would be smart for them to move on from Tannehill right now. Even though he has hurt, he's going to be coming back probably within the next game or so. And Will Levis looked very good yesterday. They took a flyer on him and Malik Willis over the last two NFL drafts, and they both fell to day two. So it makes sense for them to move on from Ryan Tannehill. I don't think he's part of the future much longer, even if it were to be just the rest of the season. He's not going to be re-signed and brought back in, I don't think. So it would make a lot of sense for them to move on from him and get a draft pick back in return. A sleeper team that could go out and get Ryan Tannehill is the Atlanta Falcons. Because the Falcons head coach is Arthur Smith, who spent some time in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. And when he was with the Titans, he had them as a top offense in the red zone. And he made Ryan Tannehill very efficient. So I think a trade to the Atlanta Falcons would make a lot of sense. I'd say right now, there's a 60% chance that Ryan Tannehill was moved. And if he were to be moved, I think it ends up being Minnesota. Even though I would like Atlanta because of his relationship with Arthur Smith, I think Minnesota makes a little bit more sense where they currently stand. I'd say he's going to be traded for, let's say, a fifth or a sixth round pick. Probably a fifth round pick at best due to his expiring contract and costly contract. We'll see how much money Tennessee were to chew if they were to trade him. The issue is this. He's a $36 million cap hit this season. And Tennessee's going to have to chew a good amount of that in order to move him. And they also have a $9 million and also a $4 million void year in each of the next two seasons. So I think it ends up being either Minnesota or Atlanta if he were to be traded. And I'm going to say for a fifth-round pick at best. As for DeAndre Hopkins, we saw his trade value really increase yesterday with a monster three-touchdown day behind Will Levis's unreal debut as a quarterback in the NFL. Tennessee has said that they do not plan on moving DeAndre Hopkins or Derrick Henry the deadline. But after yesterday, a team could overpay for DeAndre Hopkins considering how good he looked. And that could ultimately force Tennessee's GM, Rand Cawthon, to move on from him. It would have to probably be, let's say, a second or a third round pick for Cawthon to move on from him. But you never know if a team's going to overspend to go out there and try to get DeAndre Hopkins. He looked really good yesterday. And I think it ends up being more likely that Tennessee moves Henry than Hopkins. So if one of those two guys ends up being traded, I think it ends up being Henry. Since Taze Spears has looked good earlier on in the season, he was outworking Derrick Henry in snaps. I think Derrick Henry's time in Tennessee has come to an end after this year ends. And if they were to be offered, let's say, a second-round pick by Baltimore for DeAndre Hopkins, his time in Tennessee could be over as well. And that could be a good landing spot in Baltimore. If Baltimore doesn't add another wide receiver, I think Hopkins could be a good target for them. He does have an opt-out after this year ends. He'd be making $12 million next year if he were to just stay with the contract not opt-out. But he's going to likely want more money than that. So I think he ends up opting out and end up being a free agent. He's probably going to cost, I'd say, around a second or third round pick. It might seem high, but considering how good he can be and how good he looked yesterday, I'd say he's worth at least a third round pick. Next up, we have Cardinals wide receiver Marquise Brown, who is on an expiring contract. He's a free agent after the year is over. With Kyler Murray coming back at some point soon, they could decide to keep Marquise Brown since Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown had a great relationship last year. He was a top 10 receiver in the NFL before Kyler Murray got hurt last year. 
But I think potential destinations that could make sense for Marquise Brown include Dallas, Detroit, Kansas City, and I'd say even the Chargers. With Mike Williams being out for the rest of the year and Quinton Johnson not really doing too much, it's between Josh Palmer and Keenan Allen to carry them at wide receiver. I think they could go out and try to add another wide receiver. As for what I think is going to happen here with Marquise Brown, I'd say he's worth maybe a third-round pick. I'd say the Cardinals right now are 50-50 to trade him, so it's probably going to depend on the offer they get. But I think he ends up being moved, and I'm going to say the Chiefs go out there and get him for, let's say, a third-round pick. He's looked good on the year, 38 catches, 416 yards and four touchdowns. I think he would thrive in that Kansas City Chiefs offense. So now we're down to our last three players. Running back James Conner. He has one year left on his current deal. He could opt out after the season's over, but I doubt he does that. Since he does have an $8 million cap hit next season, he's still going to be making some money. If he does opt out, he's probably not going to get as big of a deal in the open market considering how much running back struggled this past summer getting a deal. He's currently on the IR, so it could be tough to move him, but he should be back soon. But it is a gamble, obviously, trading for a guy that is currently injured with a knee injury. But I think a good landing spot for him would be Baltimore. And I think Dallas could make a lot of sense as well. He's probably worth, let's say, a fifth-round pick in return, and it's a 50-50 chance he ends up being traded. But I think if he were to be traded, I think Dallas would be a good landing spot for him for, let's say, a fifth-round pick. Next up, we have another Cardinal, and that's defensive back Buda Baker. I think it's unlikely Arizona moves on from him. He has one year left on his current deal with a $4 million cap hit next season, so he is cheap next year considering Arizona did front-load a good amount of his deals. So next year, his cap hit won't be huge, which it makes sense for them to keep him considering he's not going to be much money next year. And I think it's better for them to try to build around him. So I think he ends up staying in Arizona. Lastly, we have Commanders quarterback Jacoby Brissett, who's a backup right now. But he could end up going to a team like, let's say, Minnesota, Atlanta, or Cleveland and help them and start. With Deshaun Watson being hurt, maybe the Browns go out and try to get him. Brissett was there last season, had 12 touchdowns and 6 picks, and he's a free agent after the year ends. And the Commanders are rolling with Sam Howell probably for the rest of the season no matter what. So it can make sense... For Washington to trade him for, let's say, a sixth-round pick and trade him to Cleveland, who could use a quarterback right now with Deshaun Watson hurt. And Deshaun Watson hasn't looked good at all. From being traded from Houston to Cleveland, he hasn't really looked good. So we'll see what the Browns do in the offseason with Deshaun Watson. They'll probably still roll with them considering how much money they're paying him. But with him being hurt right now, I think it could make sense for Jacoby Brissett to be their quarterback if they were to go and trade for him. I think he's probably worth, let's say, a sixth or a seventh-round pick where things currently stand with him being a backup. But I think that would make sense for him. Maybe even Minnesota or Atlanta could make sense as well. But I think if he were to be traded, I think Cleveland could be a good destination for him. Anyways, I will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.